This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Always listen to your inner voice, especially when it's screaming. If you ignore that voice, the universe will challenge you with harder and harder trials until you start listening. Valeria Tellez interviews Melissa Dawn, the best-selling author of I Attract What I Am, Transform Failure into an Orgasmically Joyful Life and Business. Melissa Dawn is founder of CEO of Your Life. Melissa is a renowned speaker, author, and coach certified by the International Coach Federation as a certified professional co-active coach, CPCC, a professional certified coach, PCC, and certified team performance coach, CTPC. She holds a Bachelor of Commerce, BCom, is a contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and Entrepreneur, and is regularly featured on top podcasts, radio, and television programs. She is a best-selling author and was named one of HubSpot's best coaching services worldwide for 2019 and 2020. Meet Melissa at CEO of Your.life. Here is the interview with Melissa Dawn. In your own words, who is Melissa Dawn? <laughs> oh, okay, you caught me off guard there. <laughs> I mean, in, in professional terms, um, I'm the founder of CEO of Your Life. I'm a conscious leadership coach. I'm an author. Uh, I'm a speaker. My friends like to define me as somebody into a lot of woo-woo. <laughs> so <laughs> very spiritual. Some also say eccentric. Basically, I just believe in bringing your true self forward, whatever that looks like because because that's what makes you magnetic is is when you can be authentically you i agree and i'll be exploring those words <laughs> and the first one that you inspired me to ask a question about spirituality or being spiritual what is to be spiritual and what is spirituality to you to me it's a way of living i don't believe in one religion i think every religion has some good things and has some not so great things and I think spirituality is more a way of taking the best of every religion and, and living a life that's in alignment with who you are and, and your values. Like, for instance, for me, it, it, it's your mindset. It, it's the way that you choose to look at things. So I trust there's a reason for everything. I trust that everything's happening to grow me. And I feel that if you always feel there's a, a purpose, maybe that you don't understand yet and everything's there to grow you. I really find it helps you navigate whatever comes up in life. So it's really a way of being. And this is the way I, I educate my son too. It's like, 
I teach them to explore all the religions, to know a little bit of everything and, and to, to just live in alignment with your values, trusting that, you know, there's the universe and there's something greater out there that you're connected to. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, I attract what I am, transform failure into an orgasmically joyful life and business. I have these open questions. I call them warm-up questions before we dive into that, as I mentioned off record. So the first one for you will be this one. What is the purpose of the human experience? What do you think the purpose of life is? It's funny you're asking this question because I'm reading the book from uh, Man's Search for Meaning from Victor E. Frankel, exactly where he's talking about the purpose. When you ask me, is his meaning that comes to my head, which is basically to to learn and then to share it with others, right? And that's kind of, for me, if you ask me my individual purpose, um, I got into coaching and healing people. And now I'm trying to coach and heal as many people as possible. So I'm doing it from a coaching healing perspective. But I think with anybody, you you take your gifts and and you put it out there and it it inspires people or in in one way or another. I'm wondering, and I often ask the question, I often wonder too, I ask the question to myself every day, how do we know when we are living the purpose? So I feel when you're living your purpose, you're living with an open heart and you have a certain frequency, like you, you feel a certain energy. So when you're living on purpose, you, you feel like, you know, some people take drugs or, mm-hmm. or alcohol, but when I'm living my purpose, I get that high naturally. Right, <laughs> I don't have right. to take something to get me there. It's just, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And I know I'm living on purpose. It's following that, that childlike joy, that just what makes you so happy naturally. What is the meaning of death to you? What is death? So death to me is a rebirth. You need to have some things die so new things can come about. Just like in the forest, you know, there's there's leaves, plants that die and then new ones come about. It's just a cycle. We have to get rid of some things to open up space for new things and, and people. Yeah, like I don't, you know, my grandmother died this year and she's probably one of the people that's closest to me in my life. And I feel like it was her time and she, she needed to move onward and she needed to go see her boyfriend in heaven. (laughs) I just chose to see the positive for her. That's what she chose. And I find it's also a lot easier to, to handle death when, when you see it this way, like to me, she came, her soul is still with me. I talk to her every day as if she's here, like in my head, you know, I have conversations like, Oh grandma, what do you think? And I hear her laugh. So to me, she's still very much alive. She just chose to to kind of drop the clothes from this life to go on to something else. And I do have another question for you. What was the most profound lesson your grandmother taught you? Oh my goodness. She told me so many. One interesting one is she said, never tell something to more than three people that you trust. Because as soon as you say it to more than three people, it has a way of making its way to like everybody. (laughs) So she's like, remember, three people. And she goes, that counts me. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) There's anything else that you can remember that she said or used to live by? There's so many things. Um, I mean, she always, she was a great chef. She always had these. So she was Hungarian and they have like a Hungarian sausage, which is called kolbas. And she's like, you know, you just add this to anything and it turns out good. You know, you add it to the egg, you add it to the fish, you add it to anything. That was like her her default in cooking. So whatever. 
I see a sausage. I'm always thinking of her. So she she loves to cook and talk about cooking. Oh my goodness. But it's not as much what she said as it was her being there. So even though I wasn't seeing her on a weekly basis as a kid, maybe I would see her a few times a year. It was just how she loved and appreciated me for being myself. She was the first person in my life that I felt that with. You know, I felt everyone else I had to you know, be a certain way to get their love. I had to earn their love. Whereas with her, it was just natural. She she taught me unconditional love, not with words, but but with being it. You know, in, in her eyes, I could never do anything wrong. I was the smartest. I was, <laughs> which which is good as a child to have that. Right. And she's the only person I had that that made me feel like that. So if I would do something wrong, like I remember once I I did a show. Uh, I was in ballet and we went on stage and I was sick. I was on antibiotics. And for some reason, I don't know why I just decided to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everyone went my way. I went the other way. I did my own private show on stage. (laughs) And she's like, Oh, it was so beautiful. And some other people reprimanded me. And uh, she's like, I loved your side show. It was perfect. And she was trying to tell him, you know, she's an antibiotics. You have to understand that, you know, she's not a hundred percent there. Like she was always, supporting me no matter what I did so I I always remember that in her it's kind of funny but the sausage uh, suggestion yeah. added to anything <laughs> would taste good that made me think about love you know in life yeah oh wow I like the love. Yeah, comparison yeah <laughs> to anything it then will turn out to be okay if it's not wonderful great magical good but at least okay and it'll be fine if there is love I, I never saw it that way, but I'm going to start looking at sausage a lot different now. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is unconditional love. This sausage right here. <laughs> right. It's so cute. <laughs> I have two questions. The next ones. What do you love most about being a woman? It's funny. I always have this conversation with my boyfriend. I'm like, I would never want to be a man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. uh, being pregnant and feeling your child grow in front inside of you is the most miraculous thing. Um, I couldn't imagine a man carrying my child. Like, no, no. (laughs) I I don't know. I think as women, which is, I don't know. We, we care more. We love more. Not that they don't, but it's different. Right. And I think just feeling him move inside of me was one of the most miraculous things I've ever experienced. I, I think that's the beauty about being a woman. Yeah. It sounds like. I'm proud to be a woman because it is women that care. Again, I'm I'm not a feminist. I'm not bashing any men here, but men have their strengths and I, we're more like community oriented. We're more family oriented. So I think we contribute, like we need that balance of masculine and feminine. And I, I feel the feminine aspect is, is very important and even more so during these times, especially to be a woman in these times, I feel it's a blessing. Were you faced with any challenges? For being a woman, um, nothing major. Nothing major. I mean, I mean, in, in my family, perhaps they had some old-fashioned ways of being that men had certain roles and women had certain roles. Like I remember when I had told them, I uh, when I was growing up, I wanted to have a PhD in child psychology. Uh, I was told, oh, that's just your maternal instincts. They didn't see that as something that I really wanted to do. I think it was just perceptions, but nothing more than that. No, nothing serious. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? For people to heal. I think COVID is giving us a lot of time for reflection. 
so we can face our our inner saboteurs or what's not what's not bringing us peace inside is coming out right because being with people 24 7 if you if you have problems in your relationship they're coming out whatever problems you have you can't put them under you know the carpet anymore that they're being exposed so it's giving you a chance to face them to heal them and to move on so and then you healing doesn't just impact you it impacts everybody around you because you start being different so it's if we could each do our healing in this time, we can impact so many people around us and we can create a better world. But I find these times are critical for this. Uh, so COVID happened for a reason. Again, we don't know the, tr- the real reason or, or what, but what we do know is that we can make the best from it. We can create from it. And, and if we can heal from this, wow, if everybody could do their part and face their fears and whatever's bothering them and heal, we we could have a whole new planet. Do you believe that there will be a day where we will come to that state of being healed? Um, Yes, I do. So I don't know if you ever heard of Dr. Alberto Villoldo. I don't know if uh, maybe I'm not pronouncing it, but he describes a state which is called homo luminous, uh, where we're all going to be completely healed light beings. But he sees it in 10,000 years from now. (laughs) 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 But he said the more of us that can do our healing, (laughs) we can advance this so it can come here faster. So if we can each do our our healing to advance this, that would be incredible. So, yes, I do believe. I hope it's not 10,000 years. (laughs) Right, right. But but, but it is supposed to happen. (laughs) What is freedom to you? What is to be free? My goodness, it's such an important value of mine. So freedom is being able to feel comfortable to be your true authentic self. That means doing what feels right for you and the highest good. I mean, if if you're saying like hurting somebody feels right for you, I, I don't mean it in that way. I mean, like it's good for you. It's good for the planet. It's good for humanity and being respected for that. So many people feel that people should be a certain way and that's the worst freedom. Like that, that, that's the worst thing you can do to someone's freedom. It's just, you know, so many people because different religions don't speak to each other. So then you can't marry different people or like, like, I feel like we've had enough of this in the world. Like, can't, like maybe I'm naive. It's like, can't we just all come together and love each other? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> can't we just yeah. embrace our differences for what they are? Because the truth is each and every person has something beautiful to contribute and we can all co-create together and create a beautiful world if we just put these assumptions and prejudices aside. And yeah, to me, freedom is is being who you are and, and being um, loved and appreciated for that. So my last warm-up question is, what is your understanding and idea of peace? For me, it starts from within. So if you could have peace within yourself as to who you are, what you believe in, So you start by having that peace inside. Again, it comes from healing yourself. So you can connect to that place of, you know, your the inner place in your heart where you can just feel peace. And then you extend it slowly. You know, you extend it to the people you live with. You extend it to people you work with. And slowly, slowly, um, you just keep bringing that forward. I mean, people are not at peace because they're not at peace with themselves. There's conflict within themselves, right? That's how I, I see it. And in order to have this peace, you have to accept that you can't point the finger to other people and say, it's their fault because I don't have peace. It's like, no, 
What can you do? Because you're always contributing to the situation in some way. And if you don't want to see that, that's where you have to start looking. <laughs> it starts with us for sure. So how did you become a writer? <laughs> that's funny. You know, when I started my business, I had problems even writing a blog post. It was tough for me. I never considered myself a writer. And then once I started my business, um, I kept on having this like voice. It was coming in my dreams. It was coming all the time, like write a book about your story, write a book about your story. I'm like, nah, <laughs> like no way. And I kept on pushing it aside. I'm like, I don't want the whole world to know my story. Like, you know, and this voice didn't stop like in my dreams all the time, write your book, write your book. So I just opened my laptop one day and I started writing and I couldn't stop. Like I realized I have a few books in me. Um, so I put my story out there and it was, it was a bit scary because I, I really, I'm saying my pure truth. Um, I didn't filter anything. Yeah, I, I put it out there and it became uh, international bestseller on Amazon International. It was a bestseller for around two years. And this helped open up uh, speaking engagements for me. People started to approach me and say, oh, I read your story. I love it. Like, can you come and share it with my group? Can you come share it with our organization? So it it's funny because... I was pushing this voice away, not knowing that it would open up like a whole new world for me. And I really love speaking now. And I, I'm speaking as much as I am coaching. It's, it's another thing, like tune into the universe, tune into where it's directing you. And like, there's so many beautiful surprises. Then if you just work at the level of the mind, when you can tune into where the universe is directing you, you're tapping into something so much more powerful that you would never think of just at the level of the mind. For a moment, talk to me about the inspiration and also the intention when you wrote your book, I Attract What I Am. Because what I basically realized in my journey is the more you work on yourself, the better quality people and opportunities you attract in your life. So if someone's always hating on their boss, if someone's always hating on the different people they're with, well, maybe you need to work on yourself because you're attracting the same frequency as you. So whatever's happening on the inside is, is being reflected on the outside. So the more I worked on myself, the better quality people and opportunities came my way. And I feel it's a never ending journey. It's not like, oh, I'm okay now. Like, no, <laughs> even though I'm a coach, I still get coached. Even though I'm a healer, I, I still work with healers because it, it's a lifelong journey. True. So true. So, and, and the lighter you are, the more you shed your past, um, the more your past does not predict your future. And you can open to yourself up to, to much more beautiful things. In your book, you mentioned therapy, coaching, energy, work, meditation, and connecting with your own heart. So my question is, today, do you find one method to be more effective than others? Or they are all the same? They all have their own value? They all have their own value. And everything works with somebody when they're ready for it. So let me explain. I believe in energy work more than I believe in coaching. I believe that one energy session is equal to 10 coaching sessions. But some people are just not ready for the energy work because it's too woo for them. Some people are just ready. Uh, you know, they're more at the level of the mind and, and coaching is a great first step for them. So you have to meet someone where they're at. So whatever step you're taking towards your healing, whatever that might be, like, you have to congratulate yourself for taking that step. And speaking of energy work, there are so many kinds that I have come across and I talk to so many people. 
Is there one that you recommend the most? Like, is there one that you are more attracted to? So again, I have studied different healing modalities. I, I've studied access consciousness and I do the bars, which is kind of like reflexology, but on your head, it helps to uh, reduce limiting beliefs. And I tell my clients, look, best case scenario, a whole bunch of things heal a lot faster than they would on their own. Uh, worst case scenario, it's like you, you got a great head massage. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. So, like, just like be open to it. And, and my clients that did this progressed so much faster than those who just did coaching. I also, I started my uh, healing journey doing uh, theta healing. I mean, there's benefits in that too. And I've also worked with shamans and, and now I'm studying with the four winds for doing um, shamanic energy medicine. I mean, different circumstances uh, demand different things. Again, you have to meet the person where they're at. You know, maybe the shamanic energy medicine uh, is too much for some people and maybe like the bars on the head is like a good first step. So again, uh, I don't think there's one best thing. I identify most with the shamanic energy medicine. Uh, that's why I'm studying it now because it was introduced to me and I couldn't believe the impacts of it. It was like, wow. But I, I don't think there's one better than the other. I think there's some practitioners that have more experience. And just like when you're choosing a therapist or a coach, you have to make sure you choose the right one. So, you know, I think that impacts more who's doing it, their experience and their intentions versus the modality itself. And you pose some powerful questions in one of your articles. You ask questions like, what makes me happy? What matters most to me? What are my top five values and why? And this is under the topic of letting the weird side shine. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I think that was letting your weird out at work or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's because, you know, we have a, our personal self and some of us choose to bring our true self to work and some of us don't. Yes. And then we have our work self that some people choose to bring home and some don't. But if we're not bringing our whole self to work and our whole self to home, our house, um, then we're cutting off different parts of ourselves, And, you know, if we're just trying to create a certain image all the time, that's when people have burnouts because it's exhausting to keep on trying to be somebody that you're not. Right. So how can you bring your full self forward everywhere? And, you know, some people might think, okay, but it's not accepted in my work environment. And you know what? Maybe it's not. But what can you do? And if you really cannot bring your authentic self to your work environment, maybe you need to look at changing your work environments because there's surely some company somewhere that will embrace you as you are. So, so that's what I mean, because when you bring your full self, you're tapping into somebody who's much more creative, someone that's much more happy, somebody that's much fulfilled in their life. And, and that creates like a better employee, a better human being. So, you know, if you're restricting who you are, to please the people around you, you have to start asking yourself some questions like, why am I doing this? What do I need to do differently? How can I bring my true self forward? Where can I bring my true self forward? You know, and, and to create the space to do that. And that makes me think about healing again and um, the aspects of the self. We call self-love, uh, self-acceptance, self-knowledge, self-awareness and all that. Uh, would you say that this is the foundation to becoming authentic in all areas of our lives? Healing work will definitely help because sometimes you're not allowing your true self to shine because you're afraid. 
So it will help to remove the fear. Sometimes you have trauma that's not allowing you to show your, uh, your true self and energy work will help remove that trauma. So yes, it's, it's definitely an important component. Do you believe in the practice of unconditional self-love? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> How easy is that, Melissa? <laughs> it sounds simple, right? To just accept It sounds simple, but it's not. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's really not, especially if you have people around you who are narcissists or toxic or trying to control you. They make you feel there's something wrong with you with being yourself. And it takes a lot. Um, I don't know if you saw the movie on Netflix, Dirty John. No. It's, I don't usually watch Netflix, but it was about this guy and... He would go after wealthy women and he would look like the perfect guy, but he was just a con artist and he would get really intelligent, wealthy women, like not just any, like really, really intelligent. And it's like, how could this guy like fool these women? But he was such a master manipulator that he made brilliant women like doubt themselves. It's really important to surround yourself with people that make you feel good so you can tap into your best self and, and I guess these women didn't have self-love. That's why he was able to affect them, right? You know, they had doubts about themselves. Um, so yes, if you have self-love, then these people are less likely to affect you in a negative way. I have made some notes here about some of your coaching tips. Some of them are very profound. So I have lots of them here. We might not have time to go through all of them, but I would love to mention some of them and open to your comments. The first one you mentioned, actually, the one that I was attracted the most, you already mentioned in the beginning about this childlike joy. You say, move towards everything that brings your soul pure childlike joy. That is your path, or this is your path. Childlike, I love that. And the question I have for you, I guess, is, what is the difference between the childlike us, the joyful and pure, and the narcissistic one and the childish one, self-centered one? Well, the childlike, I mean, you're just so happy and it's pure. You know, there's no hidden attention, uh, intentions. There's no hidden agenda. It's just pure bliss. You know, like when you look at kids, like young kids, like there's no malice in them. It's they're like just gifts of God coming out. I mean, it's the adults around them that corrupt them, right? But but that pureness, like when you look at a newborn or, I mean, it, they don't know. They just know love. And that's that's a child love joy, that, that innocence, pure love, unconditional love. That's when you're operating from a childlike joy. I mean, the other way is because is you're doing things with intention. You're doing things from ego. Like you have a hidden agenda that's coming from a very different place. Yeah. And it's easy to, to be felt, isn't it, Melissa? Especially if we are connected to our own hearts, it's so easy to tell when somebody's just disconnected. <laughs> well, without judgment, because I do believe that life is so wonderful the way it is and everyone's expressing themselves from where they are. It wouldn't be fair to judge anyone. It isn't. And and usually the people that are the meanest or the, more to the most toxic, it's because it's they have the most to heal. If you hear their stories, like you would cry and, and you would feel bad for them. Something though, I, you know, you're talking from a place of somebody who's very evolved. I remember when I started my journey and I wasn't, uh, I didn't know. I mean, yeah. as, as you get older, you, you get more wise. But I remember when I was starting to become spiritual, 
anybody that would talk about spirituality, I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is my tribe. This is my people. Oh, I love this. But I didn't realize that some people use this also to manipulate people, right? Right. Uh, right. They say they're spiritual, but in reality, they're not walking their talk. And and this hurt me hard uh, because I didn't see that side initially. I just thought everybody was good. Everybody spiritual was good, you know, <laughs> innocent way of, of looking at things. But yeah, unfortunately, there, there's some people that um, don't have that childlike joy, don't have that innocence. And if you can tune into your body, that that's a great thing to do because your body will either feel light or it will feel heavy. And heavy means that it, it's not true for you, right? Maybe what they're saying is true for someone else, but it's not true for you. So, so really start tuning into how your body's feeling. And this is like a very new concept for a lot of people. They're like, what do you mean? Because there's so much in their head, right? <laughs> but, you yeah. know, you can start with small things. This is one of the tools they say in access consciousness. Like you can just open your fridge and instead of saying, oh, what am I going to eat? Say, body, what do you want to eat? Like start tuning into your body and see, like it will speak to you. And it's really incredible uh, the wisdom that it has to say. I mean, there was an article in Forbes and it said that the human body sends 11 million pieces of information per second to the brain for processing versus the conscious mind that just sends 50 bits per second. So the difference between 50 bits and 11 million is huge. (laughs) (laughs) Start tapping into the intelligence of your body. Being in touch with the body, it might be the most sacred thing that we can do. This one I really like. You say, when something or someone you want is a constant struggle to get, it is the universe telling you it is not meant for you. So my question is, how do we know when we are giving up and how do we know when we are letting go and surrender? Again, tuning into your body. So does it feel light for you to like continue fighting for or does it feel heavy? Mm. So just tuning into what your body's telling you. And maybe it will feel heavy and it doesn't make any logical sense to you. Um, But you just have to trust that because it knows something that you don't know yet. So whenever you go against it, whenever you feel something is heavy and you're going against it, it always backfires. Anything that feels heavy for me, that means something that is trying to express itself. I'm not able to allow that to be. It could be like the dark or something that I'm, I'm trying to hide from others. So I just want to expand on this a bit more. So feeling heavy, if you're feeling heavy, then you can say, okay, why is this feeling heavy? Is it because it's something I need to heal? You know, maybe it's heavy because you need to heal it. And sometimes you have to go through difficult times before you get to the good times. So maybe you need to look at the end result. Maybe I need to do something really, really difficult and uncomfortable right now. Like, uh, for instance, a breakup. But at the end of the tunnel, um, it's light. So think of the end result. And when you think of the Because when you think of the breakup, you might feel heavy. But if you think of the end result where you're no longer with that person, it will feel light. So always look at the end result you're trying to create to see if it's light or heavy. Yeah, it does very much. Yeah. You said that's a wonderful observation, this idea of being aware, just some experimenting too with your own behaviors. and, And I call it like dancing, dancing with life. And you did mention this also in one of the coaching tips you said about flowing. I have it here. When we go with the flow of life instead of our fixed vision, 
we open up to something bigger than we could have ever imagined. That is so true, isn't it? Yeah, that's again, like just working at the level of the mind versus opening up to the universe and tuning into what it's telling you, right? So not having this idea that we know and um, where we want to get, like a destination, most of us are so fixed with getting somewhere that we forget to experience life. So, and there's something else that you said that I really love here. You said, this is fantastic and it's so true. When you want something to be different in life, you have to be ready to do something different. <laughs> it seems like common sense, right? If you want something different, just try something different. But why are we so afraid? Because people always tend to point the finger at everybody else. It's like, no, they have to do something different. And that's not me that has to do something different. But the fact is what you're doing isn't working. So even if you're right and they're wrong, it's not working. So you need to try something different. (laughs) And if the other person doesn't want to change, it has to be you. If you're not happy in your situation, like it's not just going to magically change by visualizing it. I mean, you have to take, I mean, I do believe in visualization, visualization, but you have to take the steps to create that different possibility. That means taking responsibility for our own experience, right? 100%. Why it takes so long? My case was almost 37 years to understand these things. Well, at least you did. Some people are in their 60s and they still don't get it. True, so true. Yeah. Not that we are better than them. No, but like it, you have to be ready to look at yourself and see what you can do differently. And that's interesting too, Melissa, that some people, they will never get to that point of inner peace, of deeper understanding about themselves in life. That makes me wonder about life after life and reincarnation and all that. I'm wondering if they have a second chance, if they come back to continue the journey. I believe they do. And, and like you said, that's a whole other conversation. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? I mean, everybody has a different version of success and it changes, you know, for somebody, it could be getting that job, it could be getting that salary, it could be having that relationship. For me, success is inner peace. You know, if I can do everything I'm doing with my heart, feeling at peace, that that's success. Two more questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Maybe I would work a bit less <laughs> just so I could spend more time with the, the people I love. But besides that, no, I wouldn't do anything differently. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Well, I don't think we know anything for sure. I think that's the first thing. (laughs) We never really know, right? We think we know, but there's an intelligence out there that's greater than us. So what I know for sure is there is an intelligence greater than us. What I know for sure from my experience is, you know, like you said, that unconditional love, love, that that Hungarian sausage (laughs) seems to fix everything. True, and it does, yeah. Healing is the path to peace, which is the path to success. Thank you so much, Melissa, for your wisdom, your natural wisdom, your beautiful presence, authentic presence. Thank you. Thank you. I do have one more question for you, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? 
Um, my website is CEO of your dot life. If you want to kind of get an idea of what coaching is about, um, who you're about, I have a, a free ebook, which is um, how to tap into your inner leader. So, so you can go on, on my homepage and you can download that for free. And by signing up for that, you get monthly newsletters so you can get free coaching and healing tips. You can also find my book on my website or you can get it on Amazon internationally. And uh, I think those are the best ways. I mean, you can also connect through my social media channels, but I think if you're subscribed to the newsletter, I'm really saying I'm talking about the latest things I'm working on, uh, what I'm doing and, and, and my upcoming projects. Thank you so much again, Melissa. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Melissa Dawn and her work, please visit ceoofyour.life. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. Mm-hmm.